We're believing that God is going to uh, visit you right where you are. Uh, I just love that you uh, were excited about the word regenerate, Pastor Kim, because that's in our key verse for our next series called Build, and it's taken from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. Let us start rebuilding. That's what the people said to Nehemiah. So this is a day of regeneration. It's a day of rebuilding, and uh, we're preaching tonight on building. It's time to get things done, and I was just thinking about how often... I feel frustrated uh, with the way things are. wish they would change and sometimes feel stuck uh, with the way they are. And I think God has something to say to us about moving forward, about building, about rebuilding, moving ahead, maybe in areas of your life where you just felt like you've been stuck in one area. You just can't get broken free. And uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Nehemiah and learning. And I believe God is going to speak to you and work in you. Uh, through the series. So let's just pray and then we'll jump into the word. Lord, thank you for an opportunity just to encounter you in your word. Thank you that your word is powerful to work in our minds, renewing our minds, your word says. It It uh, gives light to our path. It changes our our hearts. It, it shapes and molds us, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, we just are opening our heart doors wide open to you In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come and quicken us uh, and make us strong to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, like I said, we're studying in the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah takes place during a Babylonian exile. The Babylonians had come and conquered uh, Israel and they'd taken the people uh, into Babylon and they were being held captive. They were the servants of of uh, the Babylonians. And after about five decades, the Bible tells us a group of about 50,000 Israelites were allowed to return uh, back to their homeland, back to Jerusalem. And they were going there to begin to rebuild the city. Their intentions were right. They went back with the the heart that they were going to restore the city. They were going to build the city. But as much as they tried, they just couldn't seem to get things off the ground. They were stuck. They they couldn't get it done. They wanted to do it, but they faced opposition and criticism. They got overwhelmed by the enormity of the task. Uh, They lacked the resources they needed. They didn't know for sure what to do. They didn't have great leadership telling them what to do. They were just struggling. They, they began to struggle with disappointment and discouragement, and they just stayed stuck and powerless, and they did nothing. They, they couldn't change their reality. And today we're talking about it's time to face reality. You know, there's a couple parallels to this story in Nehemiah uh, to uh, what we see in our world today. One is that sin has taken the world captive. It's robbed us of our relationship with God, and no matter how hard we try to rebuild our our world, uh, we find we're no match for the enormity of the task, and we give up, and sin holds us captive, and we see that no greater way. Like, we see it everywhere today, don't we, where sin is holding people captive. 
And no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we educate people, no matter how hard we try, we spend money to make things better, it seems like we can't get off of square one. We're struggling with the same thing that people struggled with thousands of years ago. The other picture is a personal picture. And it's that's that we've been defeated by our weakness, by our sin. And we're held captive by what has defeated us. It might be an addiction. It might be a habit. It might be a personal failure. It's often pride and embarrassment that holds us captive. We're, we're too ashamed to admit what we're going through. And we try to rebuild our lives. But after failing time after time after time, we often just give in to defeat and we say stuck. You know, when things overwhelm us, we often stay stuck. We often hear people say, you know, why do it today when you can put it off till tomorrow? Huh? <laughs> why do something today when you don't have to do it today? You can just put it off uh, and into another day. Well, when things are overwhelming in our lives, what often happens is we are like the people of Nehemiah's day. We look for ways to distract ourselves rather than to deal with our reality. When we don't know what to do with our relationship challenges, for instance. The dysfunction that we have in our families. Uh, our credit card debt. The taxes that we haven't filed for a few years. The... the uh, uh, Repairs on our car that just keep building up. It's amazing how you, you don't fix one thing on your car. It never seems to get better. It's just another thing breaks. And then, then another thing breaks. And it just keeps adding up. And we've, we've fought about it. We've got grumpy about it. We've even promised ourselves we're going to do something about it tomorrow. But discouragement and defeat and opposition oftentimes come and overwhelm us. And here we are today, we've just not dealt with our reality. Well, one thing that I do when Carla brings up realities in our relationship uh, that we have to talk about is I change the subject. I don't know if you guys uh, know about that trick. Uh, and, and so sometimes Carla comes and she wants to talk about our budget. And I'm like, oh no, you know, oh, the budget. And I, I've discovered, I, I, I told you guys before how much Carla hates crows. And uh, so I figured out, if I just change the subject and say, Carla, the crows are out in the garden. They're eating the strawberries. You know, she goes running uh, out there, you know, to scare them off. And then I'm free from talking about the budget. You know, one, uh, when one brings up a challenge in a relationship that needs to be dealt with, and the other one just plays the distraction game, you know what? We change the subject, but we don't change reality. <laughs> Our reality stays the same. And we end up staying stuck in the reality that we had. I want to have, give you some good news. And that is that God specializes in doing amazing things with regular people. Nehemiah was just a regular person. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a pastor. He didn't have any official status. He was a regular guy who had been taken into captivity. And he was a servant of the king of Babylon. He was, his, he was the cupbearer. He was like the butler. 
He was like the servant. And he was just doing the best he could to get by. And the reality for him was that he missed his home terribly. He knew the destruction that had gone on in his homeland. He missed his friends. He felt humiliated and defeated in his life. He missed the temple, which was the place where the people of God would encounter and worship God and encounter his presence. And he longed to be free. And he longed to be who he knew God created him to be. You know what? If you're a regular person, if you're a regular guy, if you're a regular girl, and you've got realities in your life that you haven't dealt with, and, they, they, and you feel stuck, you know what? This is good news because God worked in Nehemiah's life, and God can work in your life. God specializes in working in and through the lives of regular people. Why don't you say to the person near you there, this is good news for us. This is good news. So what did Nehemiah do? Well, what he did is what most guys do when they're facing a challenge. He distracted himself with his work. And his work was what took his mind off his reality. You know, when he saw the reality, he thought about what he missed, he saw the destruction, he felt the, the longing in his heart. Uh, to be in God's presence, then he would just distract himself with his work. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That things have really not changed, have they? His reality stayed the same. In fact, his reality probably got worse. Because problems don't generally get better on their own. They compound. So one problem turns into two problems. And then two problems turn into four problems. And then four problems turn into eight problems. That's how problems work. They compound. Burying yourself in your work is only a way of distracting yourself from your reality. And going shopping is a great way of distracting yourself. Spending time on social media or, or watching YouTube videos. Isn't that amazing how they, they, you watch one and then they suggest another one? And it never runs out. It doesn't ever stop. They just keep suggesting another one. It's amazing. It's another one and another one and another one. Just distract you. Binge watching Netflix. All that kind of stuff. These are ways that we distract ourselves from our realities. Distractions do feel good, though, for a while. When we distract ourselves, though, it does nothing to change our reality. You know, James 2, uh, 4, verse 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. <laughs> you know, couldn't it be that simple that our realities could change? Things could shift in our lives simply through a process of stopping from being distracted to asking God to help our realities change. You know that small faith, this verse teaches us, simply asking God. Small faith. A small amount of faith can stomp out a huge problem. Acknowledging your reality is just the first step in seeing it change because faith can be activated. So I want to talk to you today about three ways we can face our reality. I'm going to go through these as quickly as I can. So buckle up. If you got a pen and a paper and you want to write them down, or you can watch this again uh, at the next service. So how to face your reality. Number one, allow reality to touch your heart. Now a problem is simply a, a challenge in your life. 
that faith wants to solve. Like we said, just ask God. Faith is wanting to solve that problem. Denying it is stupid because ignoring it is futile. The problem you have is an opportunity for God to show you his power. So imagine, your problem is not a problem to God. It's an opportunity for you to see his goodness and his greatness activated and and working in your life. So in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, it says that Nehemiah was at work and, and some of his friends had been at Jerusalem and they came back to Babylon. And uh, the one friend's name was Hanani. One of his brothers, one of his friends, came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned from their captivity and about how things were going. How are things going in Jerusalem? You know, you guys went, you know, like a couple decades ago. You know, are you getting anything done? Have you got the foundation in yet? Did you make some plans yet? Did you do some fundraising yet? In verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. They're having a problem. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And it says, when I heard this, when Nehemiah heard this, I sat down and wept. You know, that's when things can change. When your reality, when you stop long enough, when you turn off YouTube long enough, when you stop the distractions long enough, and you allow the reality that's in your life to touch your heart for what it is. You know, Nehemiah moved past doubt. He stopped. You know, pretending it wasn't there. He stopped blaming it on the other people. You know, it was their fault. They were there. They, they should have done something, whatever. The distraction, all that kind of stuff. And he accepted the reality and it touched his heart to the place where it says he sat down and he began to weep before God. You know, when we become humble before God, It gives God the opportunity to come to our defense. James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, when we accept reality, you might say, oh, I don't want to accept reality. That sounds like I'm giving up. No, what accepting reality means is that I have come to face the challenge. And I need God to be on my side if I'm going to beat this challenge. It can change our potential. Instead of saying, I want you opposing me, God, it says, I want you enabling me, presence of God, working in me, working through me to overcome the things that are in my life. You know, does it feel like all the world is against you sometimes? Do you feel like you're fighting the wind sometimes? No matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to stop some things in your life. Well, maybe it's time for you to allow your reality to touch your heart instead of settling for the distractions. What is the underlying problem that needs to be rooted out in your life? If you're overwhelmed, if you're discouraged, if you don't know what to do, but you know something's got to give, then it's time to admit, God, I've got a problem that's too big for me, and I can't solve it on my own. I admit, Lord, 
I need your grace, your empowering presence that helps me to be who you want me to be, helps me to do what you want me to do. Now, the first step towards humility is repentance. You know, when we repent of where we've not trusted God, where we've just settled for distraction, where we've just changed the conversation, when we've just gone looking for some, something, entertainment, something to get my mind off that reality in my life, and we haven't obeyed God. We've had selfish motives. Whatever it is, uh, repentance will open the door to acceptance in our lives. Repentance is not a sign of weakness. <laughs> we see Nehemiah on the ground, sitting down, and weeping before God. His heart is broken. His heart is soft to God. His heart is wide open to say, God, I need your help. Our people need your help. Obedience to God opens the door to his favor on our lives, actually. John 14, 21, these are the words of Jesus. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Oh, that's what I want. God's favor on my life. And we can do that by uh, accepting our reality, being humble before God. Number two, we can abandon ourselves to prayer. Abandon yourself to prayer. We say grace at our house, you know, before we eat a meal. Uh, but I have to admit that sometimes when I'm very hungry, you know, and we're waiting for everyone to get to the table, you know, my wife is calling. Will you come to the table? I've called you seven times. Please come to the table. And I'm there. I'm there. Other people are not there. And, uh, I, I, and some days, you know, you're hungry and, uh, the, you know, you're waiting and you just want to say a quick grace. So you can get to the food, huh? You just want to say it quickly. It's just a, a selfish prayer. <laughs> you know, the, just, just say the prayer so you can eat. <laughs> get what you want. <laughs> and you can see I did get what I wanted, right? Uh, being stuck in my house for the last couple of months. At this point, Nehemiah, though, is past all of that. He's faced reality. He's humble. He wants to obey God. He's willing to do anything. And the Bible says he prays a desperate prayer. And desperate prayers are dangerous prayers because they're prayers of faith. They're prayers that go beyond our selfishness, our own little wants and needs and preferences. And they're not just thinking about our selfishness. There's no bartering with God. There's no deal-making. There's no selfish motivations. Everything gets laid bare. They're coming out of our brokenness. They're coming out of our humility. They're coming out of our desperate need for God. They're coming out of our desperate heart. You know when you get that honest with God and you start telling him how you're really doing and you're begging him. You're, you're pleading with him to come. You need an encounter with God. There's no, there's no, you know, thinking about my selfish tummy in those times. And Nehemiah's prayer, he says these words. Oh, Lord, God of heaven, 
The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey him. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly, not by, uh, by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulations that you've given us through your servant Moses. Please remember that you told your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. You know, there's a few things that we can learn from Nehemiah's prayer. I'm going to go over them really fast. Five things I wrote down. Well, number one, uh, our prayers can become tenacious. You know, uh, Nehemiah's prayer his abandoned prayer was a tenacious prayer. He said, God, look down and see me here. I'm praying night and day. You know, there was no, there was no, you know, 30 second, God bless me, bless the day, give me a good day, uh, amen. You know, I'm hungry, give me my food now. You know, it wasn't like that. No, it was a pouring out his heart. Look down at me, God, do you see me here? If you don't come and meet me here, there, I'm in big trouble. I'm, I'm not going to leave this spot. Night and day, I'm going to be praying, God. I'm holding on. I'm holding on for you. You know, the prayer of pray, faith, we can sometimes think a prayer of faith is just a loud prayer or just a, you know, a bold prayer. But a prayer of faith is when we pray through. We don't stop. Until we hear an answer from God. You know, that's the tenacious prayer. It's like, God, I am not leaving this spot until I have an encounter with you. I'm not leaving this spot until this problem that's in my life gets broken out of my life. I am not leaving this spot until I see a breakthrough with my kids. I'm not leaving this spot, God, until I see a breakthrough in my marriage. This is a tenacious prayer. Huh? None of that phony you know, God, give me a good day prayer. You know, everybody has a good day, usually 99.9% of the time. We have a pretty good day. You know, people are kind to us. We get our coffee from McDonald's and it's hot and all that stuff. And then we go home and we sleep in our beds. It's a good day. But I'm talking about a tenacious prayer. When we're desperate for an encounter with God. We are fed up. With the reality of brokenness that's in our lives. And we're going to hold on to God in a tenacious way. And we're going to pray through until we get an answer. Number two, uh, a repentant prayer. He prays a repentant prayer. He confesses the sin of his people. He confesses the sin of his family. He confesses his own personal sin to God. Tell me that that's not an honest, heartfelt prayer. That's not going to touch God's heart. Number three. Praise God's word. He says, remember what you told your servant Moses. He reminds God of what he said in his word. This is an abandoned prayer. 
Number four, he praises God. <laughs> uh, I have down there uh, who, the words who delight in you. But just back a little uh, up a little bit from that, that sentence, that statement. Uh, let me see that. The people you rescued by your great power and your strong hand. You know, he's praising God for his power and his strength and his ability, right? He's acknowledging God for who is. You know what happens when you praise God? Your praise becomes a problem for your problems. Because it's impossible to be worried and grumpy about your problems when you're reminded about the greatness and the goodness of God. The power of God. How God is going to come through. He's come through in the past and he's going to come through again. And you start to get fired up and excited in your heart and in your prayers. It's a great way to pray. Try praying a prayer of praise when you're going through a challenge. And you'll see what I mean. Number five, be specific. A specific prayer. Verse 11 says, today by making the king favorable. He says, today. Today, God. This, this day. Make the king. Change the king's heart. Make him favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me today. Huh? It's not like, you know, God, you know, sometime, you know, you know, help me have a good day. <laughs> no, no, no. He gets very specific. You know what happens when you do that? You see God's hand at work in your life. And it becomes very motivating, very powerful. And then the next day, you know what's going to happen? You're going to pray even a... Uh, a larger prayer, larger faith. You know, my son John, when he was a young guy, I think he was probably five, I can remember he used to pray for his brother, Judah, who was playing bass right here uh, earlier. And he used to pray for him. He would, wanted him to get saved. You know, Judah was one. John was concerned about Judah going, to, he's not going to heaven. And he would pray, you know, some I'd be on his bed, and he'd be praying at night. Oh, Jesus, please help Judah. Make, his, make him uh, uh, accept you, Jesus, into his heart. You know, like he was just praying. And he'd go on, and I, I used to think, you know, he's just trying to stay up later. You know, that's what he wanted to do. He'd pray. Then, you know, Stefan. Stefan was on the drums here tonight. He'd pray for Stefan. Stefan needs to get saved, Right? You know, and Jalissa and, and, you know, all the kids, as they were being born and growing up, he was praying. And then he literally led some of them. I don't know, maybe it was all of them. He led them to Christ himself. Isn't that amazing? What's more amazing is all of those kids are serving Jesus today. They're loving Jesus. They walk with Jesus. Huh? All because someone... Pray a specific prayer. Pray a specific prayer. Pray a prayer of faith. Be bold. You know, even a young child can make a difference in prayer. Your prayers could change the destiny of a life. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing to think what a prayer could do? I just love that. Okay, the last point today. Uh, point three. Uh, how can we face our reality is step forward. And Nehemiah, you know... He, if you read the book in Nehemiah chapter 2, he, he went back to work. Uh, the king was there, and he was too chicken to actually say anything to the king. He was going to go in and say, okay, God, I prayed this, uh, I prayed this prayer to God, and, and will you let me go back and rebuild the wall? But he was too afraid, and the king actually saw there was like this battle going on inside of his heart. And he's like, 
he's like, Nehemiah, he says, well, how can I help you, he says <laughs> to him. And, and it says, with a prayer to God, the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me back to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. You know, God is just looking for you to step forward. The small amount of faith that he had. He couldn't even get it out of his mouth. The king had to even coach it out of him. He, but he went with the, with, the, with the intention. He went with the intention that he was going to ask. And it happened. The king, the, the story says, the king uh, uh, arranged it and uh, put together some people to go back with him. Gave him letters of... of uh, of permission to be there to do the work and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to encourage you, small faith is something that God can work with in your life. Don't, don't be hard on yourself. You're in a battle that your faith is small. Say, God, I have a huge battle in front of me. I need you to work in me. You know, uh, Luke 17, 6 says, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. That's what Jesus said, small faith. You know, today is a day to begin to build. Sea change. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me if you're here. If you're at home, you can stand if you want. We're going to just say a prayer of conclusion today. just want to say thank you again for being with us in, in worship today. But maybe you're here, and you, you, you're, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say you have a reality in your life that you haven't dealt with. You've, you've just tried dealing with, it, with distractions. you tried to, to squirt this way and that way, and it's not going away. And you're saying, you know what? This is the day that I am going to acknowledge what's in my life. <laughs> I'm going to allow myself to be broken and weak before God so that he can help me through this mess. And I'm going to pray a prayer an audacious prayer, a prayer of faith, a tenacious prayer, a prayer reminding God of his goodness. And I am going to see God work in my life. He's going to deliver me, and I'm going to step forward, even in the small amount of faith that I have. I'm going to, I'm going to step out and believe God is going to work on my behalf. Today is a day to build. Today is a day to rebuild. Not tomorrow. Don't, don't let a distraction come. Don't, don't let a timetable come. Or I got to go. I got to do this. It's lunchtime. I got to go do that. Let's get down to it with God. Like Nehemiah finally did. He finally did. So Lord, today we just open our hearts. See our brokenness, God. See our desperation for you, God. Lord, if you don't help us, we have no hope, God. We need you to move in our lives, God. We need you to move in our community, God. We need you to move in our church, in our families, God, in our, in our workplaces, in our schools, God. We need you. We, we're longing for you, God. We need you to change our hearts, God. We need you to work in our community, Lord. Lord, we need your help. Would you soften our hearts and make us repentant? 
would you cause us to long and cry out for you, God? Fill us with faith to do what no one could do before. What we couldn't do before, what others have tried to do, just got discouraged. Give us faith for more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And you might be listening this morning listening tonight. You've never opened your heart to Jesus. You know, Jesus loves you. He laid his life down for you. And one of the reasons is this very reason. He wanted to give you the power to be set free from sin. He wanted to give you the grace that you needed to walk free. And the way you receive that is by asking him. Just like Nehemiah did. He asked God, said, I'm not leaving this place until I have an encounter with you, God. And he just opened his mouth. I'm just going to encourage you to open your mouth and just say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Lord, would you come and forgive me? Lord, renew my heart. Make my heart new. Change my life. Change my thoughts. Lord, I am desperate, God, in my life, and I need an encounter with the living God of the universe. And I'm inviting you now just to come and invade my life to work in me, change me, shape me. Lord, set me free from this reality that I've been stuck in. Maybe some of us for years, we've been stuck in, in desperate realities. And Lord, we're saying, set us free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I just receive your freedom that you paid with your own blood. In Jesus' name. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm inviting you into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We just welcome you into the family of God. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. If you're watching on Sunday, we bless you in Jesus.